Friends, if you take your Bible in hand, if you have the paper Bible rather than the phone, even if you have it on your phone, I'd invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That is our uh, primary verses that we'll be looking at today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. But as we begin each one of these a series of messages on life builders, we begin with a verse from, from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, just a couple chapters earlier. In that passage, the Apostle Paul is chiding the church in Corinth for being divisive over, of all things, who their favorite preacher was. And uh, it, this isn't a sporting event where you can cheer for the Oilers or the Flames. This is, this is the family of God. We don't show favorites. And we recognize that the men and women who share God's word with us as Bible study leaders, Sunday school teachers, as pastors, these are the Lord's servants. And it's not their voice, it's God's voice we want to hear through them. So Paul's reminding them of this. And he, he, he recognizes and he teaches them that important lesson that Jesus alone is the foundation for our life. We're not followers of Paul or Apollos, we're followers of Christ. And we build our lives on him. And Paul reminds us, by the grace that God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. Someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Christ. And so we talked these last uh, two months about what each one of us should do carefully in our life and to take note of and be intentional about as we grow in our faith to be more like Jesus, the Christian life, the Christian walk, to be a follower, a disciple of Christ, what needs to be part of your life. Just a reminder, we began by looking at Jesus, that soul foundation for eternal life, Jesus alone. And the next week we talked about in trusting Jesus, you have assurance of salvation. It's not something that you wish for. It is something you know because based not on your goodness, but upon God's faithfulness, we have the assurance of salvation. And as followers of Christ, we call him Lord as we did in our beautiful songs we sang this morning. And Jesus is our master and we treat him as not only our savior as also our Lord. We talked about the ministry of another comforter, the Holy Spirit, that is our power and our guide as the Spirit of Christ lives in our hearts. And we live in a world where we need the power and the strength of God and the Word of God because there's a spiritual war going on. We talked about spiritual warfare. We talked about those great gifts from God, the Word of God and communication with Him, our heart to His heart through the practice of prayer. We talked about the role that adversity and testing plays in growing and strengthening us as children. And last week we talked about stewardship, that our life is not our own. We were bought with a high price. And now we are stewards, caretakers of the life that God has given us. Well, that pretty well sums it up. Except something important is missing something that is vital, something that has blessed you so greatly, and in turn, God wants to bless others through you, and that is sharing the good news. To share what has blessed you and led you to a saving faith with others who need it. In Mark chapter 1, I recall that chapter as we were uh, going to a series of messages through the gospel of Mark. In Mark chapter 1, verse 14, we read, 
After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. (laughs) The good news. In Greek, that word is evangelion which gives us evangelism. We often think of evangelism as a negative thing. We think of it as a a hard sell or maybe more positively a, a, a highly skilled and respected evangelist like Billy Graham on television or, or Luis Palau in Central and Hispanic parts of the world, Central America. And we heard of his passing into glory just recently, but Evangelion just simply means the good news. In Old Middle English, that word good news was gospel, our gospel, which we use gospel. But when we say evangelism or gospel, I think it separates us from the reality of the original word, which is good news. Jesus says, you folks laboring under the heel of Rome. You have had enough bad news. I am here to bring God's good news for you. And it was good news that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him shouldn't perish but have eternal, everlasting life. What good news! This is the news that makes your heart leap with joy, puts a smile on your face for you're saved through it. Good news. So the world needs. Oh, turn on any uh, media outlet and you will hear a steady stream of bad news. You will hear the latest COVID numbers droned on and on and on. And there seems to be no good news, only bad news. And bad news is handmaiden, fake news. Whether you get your news from the internet, be careful. If you get it from Facebook, I pity you. You you are not getting good news. You're not getting even true news. You're getting bad news and fake news. Be careful what you consume in the media. And in the midst of all this, Christians, it seems the good news is rarely on our lips. Share the reason we have hope in hopeless days. While the circumstances of life do not crush us or perplex us because we have heard the good news about Jesus. And friends, I want to remind you that this good news is made for sharing and that God wants you to be one who tells the good news to people who need to hear it. Your family, your friends, people at work. And it's not something just for evangelists. I believe those people have a special gifting for sharing the good news in a way people can understand and respond to. But all of us, as we'll see today, are called to share the good news. Let that be part of your life, a building block that God places in your life to be one who shares the good news. Well, as we begin looking at it in the time remaining to us this morning, first thing we want to look at is what we're sharing. It's salvation, to be saved. Our salvation, that's what we're going to begin with. Our salvation is in Christ alone. It's in Jesus one and only, exclusively. When I was a boy, there was a thing, it's old news now, but we called it the New Age. It was actually very old Eastern ideas of religion, ideas and spirituality that were uh, making their way through yoga and meditation and other Eastern forms of uh, mindfulness into Western culture. And uh, 
it seems so new. But we believe that not all roads lead to heaven as the saying went at the time. Doesn't matter what you believe. Spirituality is the important thing because all roads lead to God. But the Bible is very clear they don't. There's a lot of counterfeits. The, the, the world, their spirituality is primarily a broad road that leads to destruction because they're trying to do it apart from Christ, God's one and only Savior. As I mentioned earlier, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and in this passage, the Apostle Paul talks about our ministry, our, not only him as an apostle and an evangelist, but our as all believers. We all have a ministry, and that ministry means we administer God's love by the Holy Spirit and his word to the world, and you have a role to play in that. Our motivation is clear. The Apostle Paul said, why do we do what we do? (laughs) Simple. The love of Christ compels us. It drives us. God so loved the world. He loved me. I've experienced it. I want to share that love with those who need to hear it. The love of Christ compels us. Following that verse very closely, we begin this morning by looking at the good news of salvation in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Paul sums up, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. <laughs> a sinner dead in sin, like that ugly caterpillar in Christ, you are alive and new You're the butterfly. You have changed. God has done something powerful in your life. You are no longer in your sin, spiritually dead, through faith in Christ alone. You are now in Jesus. You are in Christ. And he says clearly, those who are in Christ, it's all new. Your old sinful heart is done away with. Oh sure, we still in this lifetime will struggle as we saw earlier in this series against the flesh. Remember the enemies we're up against? The devil, the world, and the flesh are fallen human nature. But you now have a new heart and a new nature as a child of God. In Christ is a new creation. And that's the key to the good news, friends, that it is about Jesus. It's being in Christ and how that happens. In Acts chapter 4, we remember as the Apostle Peter and John were brought before the Sanhedrin for just doing a good deed for somebody. And Peter, who they knew as a a cowering, uh, backwoods, a uh, man of no account, of no education, a fisherman of all things, if you could believe it. This man now, full of the Holy Spirit, as was, uh, as was shown on the day of Pentecost, he now comes before the Sanhedrin, the leaders and elders of all Judaism at that time, and he preaches them a message, and he tells them the good news. Verse 12 of Acts chapter 4, salvation is found In no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. No other way but Jesus. That little sign you see there, that's from my past uh, as a a Christian growing up in California. That's the one-way symbol, one way to heaven. 
And that was a sign we would show Christians uh, in the early days in the Roman Empire. One of our symbols was was the fish, the ichthus, which the letters, of course, spelled Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. That was like an acronym. But all we would have to do is just hold up one finger, and it wasn't, you know, calling a taxi or calling the waiter over to your table. It was one way to heaven. There's only one way, and it's Jesus. One way. As it says, there is no other name given by which men must be saved but Jesus alone. Remember, as Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus, something that we're going to recreate in a, in a fun and exciting way on Easter Saturday morning at the Fellowship Center for the kids. But remember Jesus meeting with the sisters of Lazarus in their disappointment and in their pain. And Jesus lets them know, you know, Lazarus is going to rise again. And they thought that was in the distant future at the great resurrection day. And in talking to Martha, Jesus says in verse 25, he said, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's the good news. If you put your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross for you, you have eternal life. But it's only in Jesus. In Jesus alone. A little further in John 14, Jesus sharing at the Last Supper that familiar passage with his disciples. Jesus says he's going to prepare a place for them. He's going to his father's house. And and even at that point, late in the game, they were quite confused. And Thomas said to him in John 14 verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. That's the foundation of our lives and of the good news we share. God so loved the world that he gave. His one and only Son, Jesus for us. Our salvation is in Christ alone. Our message is good news as well. Not only is there good news that God has addressed the sin problem with his precious son, a sinless lamb, but our message is one of reconciliation, this passage tells us. Our message is reconciliation. That graphic there is reminiscent of the uh, little graphic used in Steps to Peace with God, of the gulf of sin that divides sinful mankind from God, and that Jesus' cross alone, what He does on the cross, dying for us, is the only thing that can bridge that gap, bring sinful man back into relationship with God. And coming back into relationship That is reconciliation, to be reconciled. What's reconciled? Here's a, here's from dictionary.com. Here is the definition or one of the definitions. To reconcile is to bring into agreement or harmony, to make compatible or consistent. Remember, how many of you remember checkbooks? Kids today don't have checkbooks. They have ATM cards. They have debit cards. We had actual paper books. And we would keep track. If we wrote a check and drew money out of our account, we would keep a running total in there. And you know, at the end of the month or whenever you did it, we would often check our balance against the bank's balance. And sometimes they weren't in agreement. 
They weren't in harmony. So we would have to take our checkbooks. Let's say we, it was my wife. I never did it once in my life. I give all of that to her. Those of you who did it, when you made your book balance and match the bank's balance, you reconciled them. You made them compatible. You made them harmonious. Now, how to reconcile sinful, lost mankind, wicked, (laughs) descended from sinners? How can those come into the presence of a holy God? It would obliterate us. We couldn't do it. But Jesus could. His death on the cross, taking your sin and mine and paying for it. The wrath of God falling upon us. We are all sinners. The Bible says all have sinned. We fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, which is eternal separation from God. Jesus took that punishment, paid the price on the cross for us, that we could be saved, adopted into God's very family. That's the good news of reconciliation that Paul continues to say is our ministry and message in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Continuing in verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Did you get that? You who have been reconciled to God through faith in Jesus, it's now your ministry to share the good news of reconciliation with others, that they too can be saved, reconciled, to have their life renewed and their relationship with God come alive. That ministry of reconciliation, the Apostle Paul says, that's what we're about. And if you don't have that in your life, that you're not sharing good news in practical ways with people, it's part of who you are and what you're able to share through your actions and your deeds, you need to think about that. It's not just for the professionals in the platform and the pulpit. It's not just for them. It's for all of us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, the Apostle Paul writes, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. That's our message. You who were far away, you were far away, lost in sin and death. Through the shed blood of Christ, taking our punishment, you've been brought near. That bringing near to God is God reconciling us. It's a work of God that we speak of, not our good works. If you were just preaching your good works and legalism, there would be no good news in there because our good works are like filthy rags in God's sight. You would be just sharing bad news. And some people, I kind of worry sometimes that they have this big long list of rules, but that's not where the good news begins. The good news begins with the gift, the gift of salvation, free to you, but paid dearly by Jesus. It's the gift of God. We alone can receive it through faith as a gift. And it's undeserved. It's all of grace. That's made clear in Paul's teaching in Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 9. Paul says, 
Since we have now been justified, that is made right in God's eyes, able to stand before him. Since now, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if we, for if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more have having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We've been brought near. We didn't deserve it. It's all of grace. While we were yet God's enemies, Christ died for us. The gift of reconciliation that you, friend, can offer to others. That's our message. Be reconciled. Our role, the part we play, the Bible says in this passage, is as ambassadors. As ambassadors of Jesus. What's an ambassador? That's somebody who represents another. When an ambassador goes to another country, for instance, a Canadian ambassador goes to Washington or London or Tokyo, the great capitals, that ambassador represents Canada. And they are in an embassy, and that embassy is like Canadian territory. You, as an ambassador of Jesus, you're representing God. You're an ambassador of heaven and you have Jesus' message for the world. That is, be reconciled. Accept the gift of salvation, the only way of salvation that's offered through Jesus. Concluding our look at that passage of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we continue in verse 20. The Apostle Paul says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Be reconciled. Receive this gift. That's our message. That's our message. Friends, the message is delivered through ambassadors. Now, sometimes people come to know Jesus. Let's be honest. Apart from us in contact with individual Christians, they may find a tract that was written, a gospel tract, and read it. Well, there was still somebody who wrote that tract. They're an ambassador of heaven. They may not, they may be your neighbor, but you may never talk to them. But one day they're driving and they hear a radio program that opens their heart and mind to Jesus' love for them. And they, and they pray and they become a Christian. Well, there was somebody putting on that program. They were ambassador of heaven. We all come to know Jesus through his ambassadors, those who loved us. I've told the story before, but I remember a Sunday night, I was so racked with guilt and fear over my soul's eternal destiny that I was too sick to go to church. So I stayed home with mom and with a mother's heart, her intuition told that it was something not physical, but there was something spiritual going on in her little boy's heart. And we knelt by the couch and she led me 
to saving faith in Jesus. Prayed the simple sinner's prayer for him to be my Lord and my Savior. She was an ambassador of heaven. And friends, God wants you to be, whether as a parent to your children, as a neighbor to your neighbors, as a workmate to somebody at school or work, we have a role to play in sharing the good news in their lives. And again, it often looks very different from the professionals in the pulpit or the evangelists on television. One of the ways we simply share every day is letting Jesus live in us and through us. Your actions your reputation and who you are, how you do business, especially how you treat other people tells people so much about the love of God as they see it in you and through you. That's one of the secrets that Jesus revealed in the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 5 of Matthew, beginning verse 14, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Your life and your love that you show to others points them not to you, but beyond you to the one whose love you share, your Father in heaven. God gets the glory. Simply put, we practice what we preach. What good is it to share the four spiritual laws, the Romans road, some other salvation tool of people that through the rest of the week you share with them one day, but the rest of the week you live as if you don't know Christ, that he's not in your life, that you live just like any other non-believer. Your witness of your deeds in your life will take away from your words and make them powerless. Our lives are important. Life is an ambassador of heaven. But not only that, Jesus uses another word for you as well. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, what did he tell the early church? He told his disciples before his ascension. He says in verse 8, but you Christians, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What is it to be a witness? Well, the picture there is of a witness in court. You take the stand. And what is the job of the witness? Not to tell something about somebody else. That's hearsay. A witness tells your story. Your personal experience. You swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, but you can only testify to what you know firsthand. That's a rule of court. And it's a good rule for your Christian witness as well. Simply share what God means to you. What He's done in your life. How He brought you through a hard patch. That though we are faithful and let each other down every day, God, or faithless rather, God is faithful and never leaves us, never forsakes us. That in times of hopelessness, because Jesus is in us and we have the blessed hope, He is our hope. You can witness to all of this. And you can simply 
build a relationship, and in that relationship, you can walk with them to Jesus. You can show them Jesus. I love the simple way that the Gospel of John portrays witnessing. We see it again and again. In fact, one of these passages has given its name to a wonderful program. Do you remember the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association? Before a great crusade would come to an area or a city, they would train the local believers in something they called Operation Andrew. Simply put, it's bringing your friends, your family, people you have a relationship, bring them to Jesus. Invite them. Build that bridge of love and friendship and let Jesus walk across it into their lives. We finish this morning looking very quickly at three stories of witness in the Gospel of John. The first we find is Andrew. Gives its name to Operation Andrew. It says in verse 40 of John 1, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John, that's John the Baptist, what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing, not second or later on his to-do list, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon, who would one day be the apostle Peter. Find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. He had such good news, it couldn't wait. He loved his brother too much not to tell him. So Simon, we found the Messiah, God's anointed one, the promised Savior, and he took him to Jesus. Well, they could do it in person, but we bring people to Jesus in other ways. We share with them from our lives, the word of God. I like the word of God is shared in this next passage, just a few verses down in John 1. We see more of that early witnessing. It said, Philip like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there, Nathanael said? Come and see, said Philip. The simplest invitation. Just come and see. Come and see. Come see how people treat one another when Jesus is their Savior. Come with me. Let's go to Samaritan's Purse and pack Christmas boxes. See what people do to show the love of Jesus. Just come and see. Spend some time with Jesus by spending time with His people. Just come and see. Philip cared about his friend. And he shared God's word with him. From Moses and the prophets. Jesus was the answer. God's answer to our sin problem. And the final one, we think of those great men of God, Andrew and Philip. Well, the third witness that we conclude with, she had a very different reputation. She was an outcast among her own people. She was known as a woman of very low morals. She even had to go out to the well and draw water during the heat of the day rather than early in the morning when it was cool with the rest of the women in town. Very likely, 
to avoid the, the cutting words and the cruel glances she got from everyone else. But she met Jesus and he offered her living water. So what did she do? Did she keep that blessing to herself? No. She ran to the town that had rejected her and she shared the good news with them. It said in verse 28 that she left her water jar behind of John chapter 4. said, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. They responded. Come and see, she said. Friends, that's a simple witness. But if it's not one you've ever done before, you need to be praying and thinking, who in your life do you have a relationship with that you can share Jesus' love? Who crosses your path on a regular basis that you can share a kind word and show God's love in a practical way? I remember the teaching of Joe Aldrich before he passed away, a great man of God. He wrote the book, Lifestyle Evangelism. And his second follow-up book was Gentle Persuasion. And his motto in sharing Jesus was, can you bake a cherry pie? He says, whatever you can do to bless others, do it. A cup of cold water given in Jesus' name can be a powerful tool to share the good news. Friends, we've walked together to talk about how to build our lives, to be intentional and careful about what we consume, what we grow on, what our lives look like. Coming into the Easter season, let's reflect on this and add to these sharing the good news. That's important. Nothing will make you more excited about your faith than sharing it with someone else. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do. We thank you for the good news. Lord, that reconciliation was not our doing. It wasn't on our radar. It wasn't our idea. While we were yet your enemies, you gave us Jesus. While we were yet your enemies, Christ died for us. God's holy wrath that we deserve for our sin fell upon the sinless one. And now, Father, through faith in Him, His sacrifice for us, His resurrection to new life, Lord, that new life can be ours for eternity. Lord, that is such good news, the gift of salvation. May we not keep it to ourselves, but Lord, from our bones know that good news is for sharing. May we pray about and seek those opportunities Lord, give us your eyes to see those opportunities all around us. May we begin this week and be able to share the good news with one another that we have seen how God works through simply being witnesses and doing that, play our role as ambassadors of heaven. Lord, dismiss us now from this place of worship, of rejoicing, of comfort, and from, Lord, hearing your word. Dismiss us from this place to our places of ministry, at home, at school, at work, and in our communities. 
We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and keep you.